so we have this icky mindset about money and we have to kind of release that and say, okay, as a heart-centered person, money is actually a magnifier for our good. So if you really want to make an impact, if you want to do good in the world, having money is not a bad thing. Having money and making profit is being able to you know, give more money, to be able to give more time, whatever it is that you know, fulfills you. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands That Book Show, where we help creative businesses find more clients and build their brands. I'm your host, Davey Jones. Today's guest is Raina Pomeroy. Raina is the founder of Raina Co., the life and biz success coaching practice for creatives who are right-brained and heart-centered. And she's also a speaker, author, and podcaster. Today, she's sharing about why you need to profit in order to serve your community well. Let's do this. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Well, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm fine. I'm glad that you uh, that you finally been able to join me here. I've been on Creative Empire twice now, and yep. that's Thank been you a, so much. <laughs> that's been a blast. Uh, and there's so many things I want to ask you about, like moving your business across the country. You know, I can, uh, I mentioned this in another episode, but moving must be uh, in my top five, you know, least favorite things ever. You know, like if I could completely outsource that, I would. And we always talk about it, but we never do. Um, so I want to, you know, I want to chat about that a little bit. But I really want to chat about is a profit. And we all, you know, I mean, when we get into business for ourselves, you know, I think that's something that we're all thinking about. Uh, I think everybody loves the idea of profit. Uh, but what people don't really like, I think, is selling. Yeah, I think for a lot of us that that's something, uh, it's more of an acquired skill than we think, you know, um, yeah. I think some people go into it thinking that some people are good salesmen and, and others aren't. I'm sure that to maybe a certain extent, um, there's some natural ability in there, but, uh, I think that at the end of the day, it's just a acquired skill. So I want to talk to you about that a little bit. Um, and I want to tell you something that I've been doing and I got this idea from you a long time ago. I think it was via maybe one of your newsletters or a conversation, um, but you used to block off weeks of time where you worked in your business versus, you know, taking coaching appointments. And yep, my and A&B like weeks. Yep. Yeah, and so we recently implemented that, and I got to tell you, it has been amazing. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been so incredible. And, you know, block scheduling is something that I've been trying to fool around with for so long now. But one of the challenges of block scheduling, I think, is that, you know, if you do it by day, it gets too difficult to figure out, okay, well, like, well, this week's different than last week. Whereas, um, you know, so I've been doing this A and B week thing. And then on Thursdays, I record that or I, uh, I leave that for any meeting. So even on a B week where I'm not taking any meetings, I, I leave Thursday open uh, just because ultimately I find that I have to take at least one meeting a week. Um, so that's been amazing. I wanted to let you know. Uh, that that's, that's awesome. been, Thank you. it really has, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, super transformative, I think for, for our business and just, uh, our ability to actually work in our, I mean, on our business a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, instead yeah. of just in it. So thank you for that. But 
I want to get back get back to talking about you. Um, I want to talk about your coaching business. I want to talk about your background a little bit. Um, you know, one thing that you do really well in your business is just service. I think in general, and I think that's probably because you have a, um, a background in social work, right? And then in addition to that, your husband was in the military for a long time. So you guys just have service, I think, written all over uh, all over your lives. But could you talk to us a little bit about how you got into coaching um, via social work? Yeah, it's kind of it's one of those journeys that, you know, people say, oh, it's windy. It totally is. Um, I thought that going like in college, I thought I was going to I majored in uh, psychology and I thought that I was going to become a lawyer, um, took the LSAT, applied and decided nope, I'm going to social work. And it was kind of one of those things that I just really wanted to help people. And I saw a need for, uh, I thought I was going to be a therapist. I thought I was going to do all of that stuff. And I realized that in in that process, in being in school, being actually on, on the ground, and I wanted to do something a little bit more impactful in a bigger way. And social work is hard. You know, I was working in inner city Baltimore doing uh, foster care and trauma care. And it's, it's hard work. And maybe people would say that I wasn't cut out for it. And that's so true. But I realized pretty early on that I needed a creative outlet. I really needed um, a different way of being. I I had just had my son and um, I couldn't do a two hour commute. DC area is tough with commutes and um, driving back and forth with a little little one was really, really tough. So I made a decision to make the switch. And right before I did, um, in my social work career, I was given this opportunity to do coaching. And I had no idea what coaching really was. I was like, wait, am I, I going to do like baseball? I don't know anything <laughs> about it. Um, and they told me, no, it's it's this thing where you talk to people. And I was like, wait, I can do that. Um, but I, I didn't know how to not be a therapist and to do the coaching thing. And so there's a little bit of a distinction. Um, therapy looks at people's backgrounds and like what's happening behind the scenes and all of that. And for coaching, it's like, what's here right now, as well as what's your potential? What's, you know, what do you want to be doing? And so there's a little bit of shift in perspective, but the listening part, um, the transition to doing all of that has not been all that big. So I went to coach training after I quit that job. um, And here I am. I'm three years into my business and I absolutely love working with creative entrepreneurs. Um, I help people find what's most important for them so that they can become the go-to expert in their industry to really figure out what their fulfillment is. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but about the profit and serve thing. I think that as creative entrepreneurs, it's really hard, like you said, to talk about the sales stuff. And I really want us to focus on serving people and being heart-centered, but at the same time, we have to make a profit. And instead of talking about the six-figure business owner, and all of that stuff that's sort of like hypey, thinking about what your profit is and why you want to have that is really, really important. So that's kind of like the spiel. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, just service in your business because I know you give away part of your coaching proceeds and your affiliate, uh, any of affiliate sales that you have. Um, So I want to talk about that here in a second. But transitioning out of social work to coaching, you went to coaching training. How did you find your first few clients? Oh my gosh. Um, I was sort of unabashedly asking everybody. So one of the best things I did was just telling everybody what I was going to do and one to ask me questions because I didn't really know how to talk about coaching just as you know, I had learned a year ahead. Like I didn't know what coaching was. And so most of the world also doesn't know what coaching is. And I wanted people to ask me what it was about so that I can kind of sharpen my um, like marketing words, I guess. Um, I was definitely not talking to my ideal client, but they were asking me really good, good questions. 
And then from there, I got um, just coaching clients by really reaching out, asking people, you know, what they needed help in, you know, anytime they feel people feel stuck, I felt like that was my moment to be able to support people. So I, I did a lot of free sessions, um, got better, like one, developed my own skills, um, just as you would as a photographer or a calligrapher, you have to practice your craft, right? And develop the business side as well. So I was kind of doing both of those in tandem. Yeah, and that's so surprising to me that your business is only three years old because uh, I feel like your your messaging is very consistent and coherent and to the point, you know, uh, it's very clear what you do and how you do it and uh, on your website and throughout your and throughout different marketing collateral. Um, and I think what you said uh, about just putting yourself out there and having people ask you questions is so interesting and a, sort of a theme that I've seen across uh interviews in people, you know, just getting started, how important that is just to put yourself out there, you know? It's so scary. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. And I find even after, you know, having started a couple of businesses uh, that sometimes, you know, I'll start a new project and I won't tell anybody about it. Yeah. And then I'll be like, you know, bummed that nobody's, you know, right. nobody's <laughs> asking about it, right? You know, and, and Chris will come on and be like, you know, you haven't told anybody about this. Right. So there's such value, I think, in just putting yourself uh, and putting yourself out there. Yeah, I think that's like one of those things that you want people to know that you're there and you have something to offer. But it's so scary to put it out there because what if you get turned down? But I think that something that I have r reminded myself time and time again is that no, you can't help anyone if you don't tell people about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like you can't create something and just expect people to show up. And so like yes, you might get rejected. That is part of the game. But also you're going to like, as you go down this path, you're going to get clearer and clearer about who you're talking to, who you're really helping and um, who you're ultimately able to serve best. So how did you, uh, how did you end up finding, you know, your ideal client in your niche as you got started in your business? I think I had a uh, really big heart for um, event planners at the very beginning. I um, worked, my one of my first clients was an event planner and um, actually a florist. So it's fun to be able to give back to that creative community in that way and say, okay, how do we get from where you are to where you want to be? Um, and from there, it was just word of mouth. I used, um, I didn't know anything about Instagram at the time, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> literally, when I started my business, I had two people. <laughs> so I remember that moment. I think one of those people was my other account. So it was technically one person. <laughs> um, but literally just posting um, in Facebook groups, just showing up and sh giving people value. I didn't have um, like a content creation platform. I didn't have a blog. I didn't have a website for about five months after I started my business. And so I really wanted to just f figure out a way to be visible, but not and, and still not have a website because I was creating it. And I really just told myself, I don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to happen like all in one day, but I need to start finding those clients. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine that just in those initial conversations, it probably helped you refine, you know, your website and your whatever your content creation platform uh, would become, which, you know, today's uh, Rain and Company. Um, you know, so you, you build this business uh, and then you move across the, the country. Uh, and, I, and I have to ask because there's other people in that, especially military families. You know, I think yeah. we get we get that, that question a lot is uh, we hear from people, especially when they want to talk about SEO, you know, they know they're going to be moving in a couple months. How do you prepare yeah. for that? Yeah. Was it discouraging at all? 
It's so funny that you asked this because I've interviewed so many people on the Creative Empire podcast who have also moved and every single person's tips are so different. I think it really depends on your business model. Mine does not require a location-based uh, business strategy. And so my business model is completely online. My The biggest concern that I had was, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out of commission for a couple of weeks um, while we figure out housing and while we figure out my kiddo's daycare and all of that. Um, and also like my biggest fear was, oh my gosh, I'm going to be three hours behind the East coast. How am I going to survive? Which has not been that big of a deal. I so, did hate that though. When we were oh, working I, on the West coast, it was just waking up and feeling like the rest of the world was, yeah, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was stressful for me. It was a legit concern when I was moving. <laughs> so if you have felt like that, I get it. Um, no, but really it's, it's been really such an honor to be able to carry this business across the country because it's proof that this model works. And it's harder for me to speak on um, businesses that are location-based. But I think that if you are innovative, and we've interviewed people who were photographers who had like very destined, you know, destination or like specific place um, business and were able to transport it, you know, 5,000 miles away. So it's totally possible. Military spouses and military, you know, people get this, but mm -hmm. we have to move and it's just part of the life. And so um, I think that if you are strategic and create community before you even get there, um, I think that that's one way to make that transition a little bit easier because you're going to be in like complete foreign land, even if you do speak the language or whatever, um, feeling alone is hard and um, having some kind of support network there before you even move can be really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's um, going back to uh, the basics is just hard to remember sometimes, you know, again, uh, going back to just starting new projects uh, all the time. I have, a, I have a problem with just starting new projects all the time, uh, as, you, as you might be able to tell. Uh, and sometimes just, you know, remembering like, hey, I have to go back and I have to start with the first step, you know, mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes, especially with somebody who's location specific, I think. And it's nice that you can, you probably meet with a lot of your clients online. So you really can be anywhere in the world. Um, but for those people who can't, I think, um, you know, trying to build those relationships in advance a little bit uh, before they ever get out there uh, goes goes a really long way. Yeah, and another thing too, I just want to add for for people who feel like, oh my gosh, I'm really starting over, is that if you already have a successful business business somewhere, it's not like starting from zero. You mm -hmm. might be like backpedaling a little bit just because you have to get new clients and all of that. But honestly, you have a portfolio, you have business systems, you know what your pricing generally is. It, sure. you, you might have to, but you have so much more than day one of your business. And sure. so we, we feel like we're starting brand new over, but it's not the case, right? So just yeah. reminding yourself that you have a lot um, kind of established already. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when people, when your coaching clients come to you, what are, what what's kind of the most common you know, reason that somebody would come to you? What do you hear most often? Is there, is there, are there any themes there? Yeah, a couple different things. So first one is I have so many like pieces of my business and I don't know how to bring them all together. Um, and I don't know how to talk about them so that my ideal clients find me. Um, another one is I know that I want to have like a freedom based lifestyle, but I really don't love selling and I struggle with like closing on those sales and I know I can help people, but I don't know how to like make that all happen. 
Um, and then another one is like, I have so many ideas. Like I have all my tabs open in my brain and on Chrome and how do I close them down so I can focus? I don't know what to do first. And like, I have all these projects that I've started and how do I make sure that I can keep making progress on those things? Um, so those are kind of the basic, you know, buckets of things that people come to me for. And, you know, in, in the process, we get to talk about launching, we get to talk about marketing, but really at the core of it, it's like, how do we figure out what's most important to you? And then make progress on those things. So how, where do you even start with people to figure out what's most important? And I think I think almost every entrepreneur has probably struggled with that at some point yeah. where there's just so many different ideas and there's mm-hmm. so much, um, there's so many voices out there. You know, there's so yes. many people putting out content saying you got to focus on this or you got to be focused on that. Um, so where do you even start with people? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is to shut out the noise. This is like so hard as a content creator to say this, but you really need to look at what's inside and ask yourself what is important here. Like what in in this state in my life, in my business, what do I really want? Um, we're not going to be focusing on like, oh, I need to build this million dollar business later on down the line. Like, what do you need right now? If that's, oh, I need childcare in order for me to be able to concentrate on my business. Cool. Um, if that's, I need to really start thinking about like making a healthy lifestyle change. Cool. That's fine. But like, it, so that's kind of the thing that um, comes up often in my work is that it it's the through line is that we have to focus on life and business at the same time or else we can't be well-rounded entrepreneurs and then we end up burning out. So um, to kind of answer your question in a roundabout way, um, I think the, the most important thing is to do reflection first um, before we look at anyone else's content because no one else can tell us what quote unquote success looks like. No one can tell us what fulfillment feels like at the end of the day. We're the only ones that can define that. And so if you're looking at somebody else's goals and saying, oh, she wrote a book last year. I want to <laughs> do that. You're like, okay, well, do you actually want to write a book or does that sound just really cool and you want to be able to say that? So you have to kind of just you know, between the two things. And then once you get a little bit of clarity around that, then you can um, define what your priorities are. Um, I I typically like to think about in in terms of like, what are your personal priorities? What are your um, family and home priorities? And then what are your business priorities? Because they all kind of happen in tandem. Yeah. And I, and I like what you're saying there about that through line, uh, you know, and life's effect on, you know, having a successful business, because mm-hmm. I think that conceptually, especially as uh, solopreneurs or small teams uh, running a small business, just in general, you, you can't, you can conceptually separate uh, work and life, you know, but if, in a practical way, you can't. And uh, we had uh, Amy and Jordan on a, a earlier episode, they talked a lot about that. Uh, but it's just impossible, I think, on a practical level to separate home life and work life, especially, um, you know, if you work with a husband wife team, like Chris and I do, you know, there's not like, you know, if we're arguing about something in life, it's not like we go to, you know, work, we go downstairs into our office and then all of a sudden that argument's over. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's so interesting too. I've worked with several, um, husband and wife team couple, couple teams, and it's so interesting to be able to see the dynamics of, it's just like coaching slash therapy sometimes, but figuring out what hat are you wearing right now? And are those roles kind of getting enmeshed? How do we figure out how to separate them? Because you can't always mm-hmm. separate them, um, but we can make a better way to like create boundaries around those things. So yeah, I think it's whether you're solopreneuring or you're in a team or you're in a, you know, a family team, whatever the dynamics are, it can be a little bit complicated and you have to slow down in order to think about where, you know, where the relationships or the life stuff is coming into play. Absolutely. So transitioning to profit, 
right? Really what we what we want to talk about today. Um, there was a, a blog post that I think you wrote back in December um, that I thought was really interesting. Just again, it tied in your social work background, these t-shirts you used to have saying, uh, we'll work for change. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs start out that way. Um, we all want to make profit. A lot of us hate selling. Where do we even start? How do we get over that hurdle? How do we create a, uh, a mindset around money that's, that's healthy uh, and doesn't cause a, a bunch of stress and anxiety um, in our lives yeah. and business? Yeah, I mean, as a social worker, like you said, I had a t-shirt that said, will work for change. And, <laughs> you know, the double entendre of want to make an impact and also will work for pennies is kind of a sad one. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the the mindset that I came into business with. And it, it I struggled with asking for money at first um, because I was constantly thinking about it in terms of I have to get clients, I have to get clients, I have to make money. Um, how do I get money? And it's the, the shift from how do I get money to how can I serve people so that that thing is like an even energy exchange. This is like mm -hmm. very woo, but how do I make sure that whatever value I'm offering to somebody is something that they want to give me money for? Um, and ultimately, if you see your work as service, right, as something that you want to do to help, and this is the, I think the most difficult part of service and heart-centered heart people is that whatever comes naturally to you, right, photography, calligraphy, um, coaching, whatever it is that your craft is, most likely comes pretty naturally to you. And it feels like crazy to be able to say, oh, I'm going to charge $5,000 for that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because you would probably do it for free for somebody else. But truly, when you're running a business, we have to make, make that mind, mindset shift of putting profit um, pretty much in line with our service. So our heart has to be in line with how much we want to make and our money making wants to be in line with our service. And so I think we have these big uh, uh, I don't know what what's the word I'm looking for. Kind of like figures in our head um, of um, people who represent evil, <laughs> people <laughs> who have money who represent evil. And by having more money, becoming richer, making more profit, turns us into that person in our heads, right? Mm -hmm. And this is like a crazy, crazy line of thinking. But if you think about it, you might think of I don't know some people that my clients bring up are Kim Kardashian mm -hmm. or Donald Trump or I don't know sure. whoever your person is. It doesn't really matter. But we all have this like image. Uh, if we get stuck in this, it's typically that we have this image of somebody who represents kind of corruption or like or greed something that's like not great. And so we have this icky mindset about money and we have to kind of release that and say, okay, as a heart-centered person, money is actually a magnifier for our good. So if you really want to make an impact, if you want to do good in the world, having money is not a bad thing. Having money and making profit is being able to, you know, give more money, to be able to give more time, whatever it is that, you know, fulfills you. So for me in my business, I we give to a couple different organizations. One is Pencils of Promise. We are trying to build a school and it's something that I'm super passionate about. Um, and also we like for International Women's Day, we are, you know, encouraging people using our platform to encourage people to donate or um, to give to Kiva, which is, you know, a microloan um, organization. So stuff like that. And I think that we are able to make a bigger impact when, when we have more money and a bigger platform. Yeah. And uh, just as a side note, real quick, uh, what you posted, I think it was on Instagram uh, about International Women's Day, about the pay gap not being closed until 2186 was mind blowing. That was astounding to me. But it's insane. yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's crazy. But going back to uh, this money mindset, 
how like what are some practical steps that we can take to make that leap to say okay hey just you know asking for money is not a bad thing yep. um how do you get to be comfortable uh doing that oh my gosh that's such a loaded question <laughs> i know i'm okay, sorry so just to, first... to drop that no, on you no, no. Yeah. i feel like we can make, do like a whole episode on it this so, so the first thing i think we need to think about is what is that money story that we're telling ourselves what's that like deep-seated sort of money story that we have whether it's from our parents saying money doesn't grow on trees or you know when when you have more money you look like this right whatever that image is um so you need to kind of uh, disassociate money from whatever that image is. Mm -hmm. And often it's not money that becomes evil, right? It's the the person or the tool or whatever that turns it into a, a mechanism for evil. And so if you can think about money being um, the just the tool in order to good, do good for your business or for your life, then that's the mindset shift we, we need to make. And so um, I think journaling on things can be really important just to see that like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that I believe this about mm -hmm. money um, can be really important. And then also thinking about on the sales side, because sales is something that people struggle with a lot, right? Um, thinking about sales in terms of, okay, I want to help people. And by giving by giving my service, I also receive something in return. It has to be a reciprocal process or it feels kind of icky. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever received something from somebody that wasn't like a gift, but it was just free? Um, and then you didn't really see value in it. So you kind of threw it away or it just kind of lived on a shelf or you re-gifted it or something. But when you invest in something that's actually important to you, right? Even if it's like $25, you're like, oh my gosh, this is something that I really love. Or like a shirt that you buy that you wear all the time. When you invest in something, you're more likely to cherish it. And so I think that's the kind of an even energy exchange that we're talking about. We want to like lean into it a little bit more so that you can start making more profit and asking co more confidently for the, the money that you deserve to have in your business. Yeah, and speaking of free, I mean, I just think people who like free things, they, they value as free. You know, they just don't value it as much as something that they pay for, uh, even if it's something that they need, I think. Um, for me, something that I struggled with early on was thinking to myself, you know, uh, that person could do it on their own. You know, so it's not as valuable because that person could do that on their own. You know, you could take pictures of, at your own wedding, you know, or, or get a friend to take pictures at, uh, at your own wedding. Um, but at the end of the day, they don't want to do that on their own. You know, otherwise they wouldn't be looking for that service. Um, just this, this podcast and, uh, and vlog here, one of the reasons that I didn't start it for so long is because uh, I didn't want to dig into the editing. You know, like I don't want to deal with any of that. And so finally, you know, my sister is uh, my sister, is somebody who loves that kind of stuff. So I'm paying her, you know, to, to handle all of the editing and uploading and all that stuff that's that's preventing me from doing it. Um, and it's not a matter of that. I couldn't do it myself. Like I, I'm a, for the most part, a pretty much DIY person, but I don't want to do it myself, you know. Uh, and so there's a ton of value in my sister doing that kind of stuff for me. Yeah, because she's creating a shortcut for you, right? Yeah. And um, relieving that resistance of I want to create content and I don't want to do the the next steps to get it actually live. So paying somebody is of value too. I think that's like such a great example. Yeah, and I think that um, especially going back to just this concept of free. Sometimes, especially when we're first starting out, sometimes we just have to do stuff for free. You know, it's just, it's a part of the growing process. It's a part of finding you know your niche and your ideal client and learning how to talk about your business. Um, but at, at a certain point, 
you're you're going to be really unhappy if you continue doing things for free. And the person that you're working with is going to be really unhappy too. Because I think when you have um, a project scope and that scope is free, uh, it's really hard to keep things within that project scope and everybody be happy uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't think free is necessarily a bad thing. Sure. But here are kind of like my parameters around this. I think is that one, when you are doing it, when you have zero portfolio, you have zero testimonials, the exchange isn't the money. Exchange is feedback. Mm -hmm. Exchange is the testimonial. It's the fact that you can talk about this particular client. And so there's value in receiving that, right? As somebody who's doing the free active service and it has to feel even. That's the thing, right? It doesn't, it's not about like the dollars that are exchanged, but does it feel even in the exchange that we're doing? And so this is where I think a lot of like barters go wrong, where the out, the parameters aren't, aren't outlined and there's like a lot of scope creep and all of that. So whether you're doing free stuff or paid stuff, just having something written down that says, here's what I'm agreeing to do. Here's your end of the bargain. And you know, here's how we're going to proceed or whatever. So that's kind of how I look at things. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people uh, on, you know, how that, how they should value their work? Because a lot of what we do in, you know, the creative world, right? I mean, a lot of people look at just their, their hard costs, you know, they're, or they're told to just look at, look at their hard costs. And there's uh, obviously issues there, I think, when you're just looking at, oh, the cost of the camera or the memory card or, or something like that. So do you have any tips for people who, um, who need to value their, or price their services? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's so much we can talk about. This is probably your entire platform on your podcast. But thinking about like how to um, look, you have to look at your numbers, first of all, right? And you can't just kind of willy nilly it. And at the beginning, it's kind of a a game. But you have to start treating it at some point like it is a business. Mm -hmm. And so what are your hard costs? Um, Like you said, what are your overhead costs? keep them as minimal as possible and figure out what are the what are the hours that you're putting into a project figuring out how many of those hours you want to be putting towards client work how much of that do you need to be spending on money generating work um, and then like ultimately if you're in a full-time job you only have a limited period of time to work in your business if you're a full-time in your business great you have a little bit more time but honestly it's still divided and so we have to figure out what are the the costs that we incur and also what are the you know figure out your dollar per hour and if it's getting lower than you want it to you have to raise your prices and as long as that rate uh, matches the confidence in which you can deliver that service and then I think you're fine. So for me at the beginning I was charging all like nothing and then mm-hmm. like raised my prices as soon as I had three clients sign I raised my prices got three more signed um, I raised my prices again and every single time I felt like the energy match was there I I was confident my systems were growing you know at the very beginning my my contract was like I printed it out and I had her sign it <laughs> and you know nine clients in I had hello sign and I was you know doing online invoicing so I I felt like I was a little bit more legit, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so as you kind of grow in your business that way, your confidence also grows and you can charge more and people will value your services more. Yeah, I love that. I love that system you had of just upping, upping your prices every every three clients or so on. And so I think uh, people would be pretty smart to have something like that in place, whether it's every three or five clients or uh, another one that I hear is anytime someone books your highest package, there's somebody out there who would pay more. So raise your prices a little bit. Uh, all of that kind of stuff I, I really like, uh, especially when you're looking at time too. You know, if you have three clients uh, or if you have no clients, um, then your time's probably, you know, valued a little bit less because you have so much of it, right? But, you know, all of a sudden you have 10 clients that year or 20 clients that year, that 21st wedding 
you know, your value, you should value that time because it's more scarce more than you did the very first wedding of the year. So one thing that you had mentioned, uh, we haven't talked about yet is that you give 10% of every, of all your client work, right. Mm -hmm. To pencils of promise and a hundred percent of all your affiliate, uh, sales to pencils of promise to also pencils of promise. There's another one you mentioned. I'm sorry. The micro loan. Yeah. So we do Kiva sort of on the side, um, for like my birthday and for international women's day, but, um, mostly all of our money goes towards pencils of promise until we're done building this school and we're about 80% in. So all of my speaking fees that, you know, people give me, (laughs) I like take it and I'm so excited about it. Thank you so much for having me. And then it goes to pencils of promise. And, um, I feel like when I give, education to the community that money goes towards education for somebody else so i'm just like the pass through (laughs) yeah i guess so Um, how did you decide on uh on that system yeah, uh, that that's not really like a succinct answer, but I wanted to figure out a way um, to build giving into my business from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter uh, if your business is making $100 a month or a million dollars a month, 10% is 10%, right? And so if you if you like start when you're a million dollar business and you're just like, I'll just wait till I'm bigger, I'm just, you know, I'm till I'm sure. better that sticker shock is going to be really, really scary to be like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm actually going to have to give $100,000 away <laughs> instead of like, oh, you know, I was giving a dollar or $10 away at the beginning. So I'm like used to it. So I think that that was one thing that has really helped. And I encourage people to think about how they can give with their businesses. And it does not have to be monetary. I think I say this all the time. It can be giving a, a seat away for your class that you're doing, or it can be uh, mentoring somebody in, in the work that you do or bringing in an intern and you know giving them extra mentoring that you might not usually do for an intern or something like that and there's a lot of different ways to be able to give back through your business but you have to be intentional about it or it just becomes one of those things that quote unquote you will do in the future yeah and i think if you're not willing to give 10 percent away now you're not going to be willing to give 10 percent away if you're making double what you're what you're doing right yep. now exactly so such a great practice i think uh and just um you know uh, I think it ties into this idea of, of gratitude and abundance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's just such a great practice. Uh, and I would love to talk with you uh, more about that. Um, but it, how does that tie into your Fueled with Heart community? Yeah. So the Fueled with Heart community is a Facebook community and, you know, a part of our podcast that we run. And um, so we often talk about Fueled with Heart as in, it's a group of people who believe in the profit and serve, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And you want to serve your community and do good work. Um, you want to be intentional and also make a profit in all, all of that so that you can live the kind of life you want to live. And most of the people say they want to travel, say they mm-hmm. want to pay off their student loan debt or you know any other debt that they have, um, or you know be able to take a year off, whatever that is for them. And the thing that they say most often is they want to give back. So they want to tithe or they want to be able to go, you know, to a developing country and do service work, whatever it is, this business can do that for you. So if you shift your mindset to that abundance mindset Mm -hmm. and you allow yourself to be able to give in whatever way from the beginning, you can start start doing that in a bigger way as you profit and serve more. And so the Field With Heart community is really about leaning into that. Um, We want to put social impact um, 
in line with the work that we're doing, baking our social impact into our businesses from the get go. And if you don't have it and you're like three years in, that's cool. You can start baking it in now. Um, so whether that's partnering with an organization that, you know, this is like a simple example, but client gifts, we all give client gifts. One way to do it and like spend the same kind of dollars is look at an organization or company that creates products that also give back. So you're spending like $30 and a portion of that proceeds goes to something important mm-hmm. that you're not spending any more money. You're, you're just like kind of channeling that money through. So that there's so many ways to be able to give back, um, in the field with heart community. That's something that we talk about often. Yeah. And so, you, and you talk about this profit and serve mindset. Uh, and I know you've alluded to it throughout the interview here, but the concept, right? Uh, tell me if I'm getting this right. It's just that, um, in order to serve our clients well and to continue serving, we need to be turning a profit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, every time I pay for my taxes, I'm like super grateful because that means that we turned a profit. But it it means that the more money we have in our businesses, the more impact we're able to make. So whether that's making bigger decisions in our businesses, taking more risks, making you know donations, whatever it is. Um, but the thing, the profit and serve model, the field with heart model, is really about creating sustainable businesses. So you might hear these entrepreneurs who pop up and are like, I made you know seven figures in five minutes. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's not my business model. I wish that I'm was my business model. But... People... Yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> I know. I just... um, like, it was so easy for me. That's great. But I see people struggling with, like, the kind of in-between. And it one, I don't – I want to show them that it's not that hard. Yes, you have to work hard. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, like, grueling, if, sure. if that makes sense. I also want to show people, like, what we were talking about earlier. Um, what is your message? How do we message it so that everything that's in your world actually makes sense together? Um, we also talk about sustainability and profitability, how you look at your numbers, all of that stuff. Um, we also talk about um, kind of thinking through the, the uh, what's it called? Like the <laughs> um, visibility work that you do. So mm-hmm. how, do, how do people actually see you? And then we talk about like goals and focus. So what matters most, how to focus on that. Um, so it's kind of a comprehensive circular model. So you're never really like grown out of this model. You're constantly working through it, constantly moving through it and growing every single time you go through it. And um, one of the core parts of it is called the heart and core. And I see so many people starting their businesses thinking, oh my God, and I did this too. Oh my gosh, I need clients. How do I get started? But I think the biggest thing is we don't take the time to figure out what's important here. Like what does my business stand for? Who do I really want to serve? What's important to me? And then creating a marketing model around that. So people focus too much on the tactics like, oh, my Instagram isn't growing and kind of blame it on on Instagram where I think you should be thinking about, okay, where does your, where, what's the vision of your company? Where is it going? What are your core values? Um, and how do we make it so that that has like an actual strategy that we can turn into tactics? I, I'm such a big fan of, I think, that mindset of actually starting with those things, actually writing them down, not just thinking about those things, but writing them down on a piece of paper. Um, and because I think it, it's really easy to skip over that kind of stuff. You know, like what, goal setting is another one where people are like, you know, yeah, they're kind of up here. You know, I got my goals. They're in, you know, they're in here. But you'd be surprised that until you write something down, you know, and you talked a little about journaling earlier, uh, until you write something down, how not fleshed out it is, you know, totally. and how many questions, and then all of a sudden you write something down, and you're like, that doesn't really make sense, or I don't really want to focus that thing. Uh, and going back to, and I think kind of the basis of what you're talking about, right? And you started the, the interview this way, but talking about, you know, just thinking about how can I serve my clients well. You know, mm-hmm. how can I, how can I add value to them? I'm really starting, starting there. 
and um, you know that uh, that grueling uh, you know sensation that you feel every every once in a while in business. I think if you actually take the time and you uh, write down why you're doing this, who you're trying to serve well, you know the the why behind your business, the purpose. Yep. Um, it's going to be a lot easier to get through those moments because all of us are going to go through those moments. Um, yeah. But when you have that, you, you know you have something to look back on and hold on to and moving forward. Yeah, I love that quote. Um, how does it go? It's something like, if it gets hard, um, learn to pause and not quit. And I think that there's so many times in entrepreneurship where it gets a little bit sticky, right? Money's a little bit tight or the clients aren't coming in as well as you had hoped or a launch fails or whatever it is. And you're feeling like, ugh, should I just throw in the towel? And there's so many moments when you just have to pick yourself up and do it again. <laughs> yeah. And I think that when you go back to that why, like you said, it can be a game changer. So for me, I have two pers- uh, two whys, and I think this is something that I struggled with at the beginning because I felt like I only had to have one why. <laughs> like you uh-huh. can only have one why. So one is like a very personal why, like the freedom why. And then the other why is like, what does my business do? Like the what's the big vision of my business? And that's to empower women. So so that they can have, you know, profitable businesses so that they can do whatever it is that they want to do in their lives. And so kind of like two things and I give yourself permission for it to be whatever it is that you want it to be um, and kind of lean into that because there's not one way to do it. Yeah. And so I want to talk about how uh, how somebody can and find the Fuel with Heart community. Um, what, you know, so if somebody wants, if somebody's listening to this and saying, hey, this sounds awesome, how do I learn more? What do they do? Yeah, go to fueledwithheart.com and we'll lead you to it. You'll hear my story, kind of like what happened behind the scenes. You got a little bit of a glimpse here and then we'll lead you into our community. It's, you know, a tight knit group. There's so many Facebook groups out there and I get that there's a little bit of overwhelm. And what I really try to endeavor to do in this community is to one, be present as a leader um, and also give kind of the behind behind the scenes that are happening in my life and my business, um, as well as adding a lot of value. The community is amazing. The women in in the group, it's mostly women, but it's not always. Um, I think we have like five guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually, I feel like the breakdown of the 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 general industry, you know? Yeah. Five guys um, and, and thousands totally of women. It's great, like yeah. people contribute. But I think that one of those, it's one of those things that like people feel safe in this community. Mm-hmm. People feel uh, comfortable asking quote unquote stupid questions, which are not stupid. And everyone else is like, oh my gosh, I, I feel like that too. Can I, can I get some help here? Um, so it's nice to be able to have that collaborative um, atmosphere. And so you can go to fieldwithheart.com and then we'll lead you right to it. Um, and we always have conversations about the podcast and all of that in the group too. So final question here, how much of business do you think is just showing up? Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> yeah, like a like a hyper, and that's just one thing that I'm realizing as I do uh, these interviews. Um, and one of my favorite podcasts is uh, How I Built This. Yes. Um, yeah, and I just, one of the things that I, I'm realizing more and more is it's just a matter of showing up consistently. And, and of course, there's work involved. You have to show up and work. But if, you know, mm-hmm. if you show up consistently, um, good things good things tend to uh, tend to happen. And I think that um, you know I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of coaching just in general. So I think that uh, those people who uh, if you're ever struggling with showing up consistently um, or you need accountability, finding a coach like yourself, um, you know, is a great way to make sure that you continue to do so. Yeah, I think showing up is hard, (laughs) especially when you feel like you don't have a platform, you don't have anything to really show off. And, 
you know, you have a lot to prove. That's how I felt at the beginning of my business. I was like, I am hungry and I want this and I want to be able to serve people. But I feel a little bit, you know, like I'm not quite sure. And so showing up felt really scary then. But I think if you think about it this way, the, the one person who follows you on Instagram, you know, as you grow that, like have a lot of gratitude for each and every single person that comes into your community, because that's a human being that's, you know, you can connect with. And so I think back then, I don't, I don't think we had Instagram DM. And now I feel like that's a platform <laughs> that I use so often. Um, but you know, those people are actually human beings that you can converse with have, you know, like have legitimate relationships with. And so that's something to keep in mind, too, is that you're this isn't just a transaction, you're not mm-hmm. just trying to, you know, steal their dollars you're really trying to be in a relationship with them and hopefully serve them and in the future maybe they'll pay you maybe not maybe they'll bring you a cool connection um and so it's really just like keeping those doors open for conversation and um and opportunities so yeah showing up is a is a big thing whether it's creating content and you know posting about it or um, just saying hey how can i support you to to people who you really appreciate. Um, This is something I did um, at the very beginning of my business. I felt like there were these leaders that I really wanted to lean into and just like encourage because I thought they were doing awesome things. Um, And that that opened a lot of doors for me. So I think remembering that these leaders are also human can can be very valuable. Yeah, I I mean, I love that just this concept of, you know, focusing on what's there and, and not focusing on what's not, you know, if you have, you know, two Instagram followers, focus on those two people. Don't worry about the 20,000 or 90,000 or whatever that, that number is in your head that you think you have to get to, uh, you know, to validate yourself. And um, I know this is true for me, uh, but you you probably look back on that time, that six-month period of time before you had a website and some of the questions you're asked and you just think, oh man, those were probably super silly questions or I can't believe I did that, you know. Um, but it was just so important, I think, to getting to getting started. And so even uh, even in kind of the uh, dis- discouraging moments, getting up the next day and showing up again, um, yeah. that's the only way that you get to, you know, where you want to go. Yeah. But we talked about um, Fueled with Heart. Uh, where else can we find you? You have a you have a new podcast. Um, yep. Tell us about that. Tell us about w- what social media uh, platforms can we follow you on? Uh, yeah. So you can find the podcast at fueledwithheart.com or you can just go to iTunes as well and find us there or whatever platform <laughs> that we're pushing to. Um, and you can also find me at reinaandco.com. I am super active at Raina and Company on Instagram. Um, I really love engaging with our people. And it's the the community is wonderful. That's like some some place that I really love pouring into. And so whenever you have questions, I really do. My clients will laugh at me when I say this, but I build most everything for my clients. And so people who keep coming back are the people I I build things for. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a part of my community and you give feedback, you might see some of those things turn into programs. So I'm really excited to be able to roll things out. Like next week, um, this is coming out on the 9th. We're rolling out a, a, a challenge for the community who are like, oh my gosh, I feel like everyone is like, all my competition is doing these things. And why didn't I think of that? We're, we're having a conversation about forgetting the rest. Like, don't worry about the competition, worry about you um, and figuring out how to amplify your message. Um, so that's something that's really important to me. And we'll be doing a really fun challenge around that. All right. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes so that people can get connected with that challenge and that community um, and connect with you in the places that you show up uh, like uh, Instagram for sure. And of course, uh, Creative Empire. Um, 
that still happened. Of course, right? I didn't yeah. mention Creative Empire. Yeah, but the yes. Creative Empire, <laughs> Empire podcast, which I'm sure a lot of people um, already are familiar with. So thank awesome. you so much for taking the time to uh, to share about um, profit and selling and money mindset um, and just a little bit about your background and how you got started. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like we talked about so many things, but I hope this is valuable for your listeners. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Brands That Book podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving a review so that others are more likely to find it. For show notes and other resources, visit DavianKrista.com.